Welcome back, Bayou Coast. Welcome back to Off the Water. Summer vacation is over and school is back in session. That means fall is just around the corner. Couldn't come too soon as the heat is putting a serious hurting on my fishing. I mean, it's hot outside. We've had a couple of uh, heat advisories the last few days. It's made it tough. Even when you get out there early, um, it, it, it's just been tough. But uh, look, we got a great show tonight. Uh, glad to be back after our little summer uh, vacation. I know Tyler and I both had Pretty good summers, not a lot of fishing, a um, little bit. We got to get out there a little bit. We'll talk about that. But we've got some great things coming up in the fall. Ride the Bulls in two weeks away. Um, we've got uh, Rumble on the River is coming up next month. Uh, we've just got some great things coming up. The fall is going to be uh, set up to be a fantastic time for fishing. Um, I think the trout fishing this year is going to be awesome. The flounder fishing has been really good all year. Uh, can't wait to talk about that and see what happens in the fall. So tonight, uh, joining us, we got Eric Stacy, tournament director from Bayou Coast. Also, Aaron LaRose, sponsor coordinator. They're going to be uh, discussing prepping and rigging for Ride the Bull. Uh, they've got some great demonstrations for us. We're going to talk everything from um, anchoring, rigging, uh, baits, hooks, weights. If you got any questions, make sure to pop on and, uh, and ask them, and uh, Tyler will get to you. So we've also got some summer fishery reports to share. We've got some exciting news for uh, Rumble on the River Tournament. We've got the format figured out. We've got the weigh-in location confirmed. Really excited about that. We've got um, the boundaries set. So good things to talk about tonight. So Tyler, um, I know you hadn't got to do a whole lot of fishing this summer with the heat, but I know you got to do some fishing recently. Maybe kind of share your story with us. Uh, I think you were down in Delacroix last weekend. Yeah, this this past Saturday I went to Delacroix with a buddy and uh, uh, had a re real good trip. Um, you know, just. Redfish trip, uh, we launched at Sweetwater, and uh, I don't think I, I ventured probably farther than a mile and a half from the launch. Uh, just lots of redfish in the grass, um, grass mats. Just basically uh, caught everything on gold spoons, just, just fishing spoons along the edge of the grass. Uh, it was a real fun trip until about 11 o'clock when it got hot as hell, and uh, I called it because it was just too miserable. Yeah, so how, how many reds you end up catching? Uh, six. What, what kind of size so, you had on um, You know, the smallest one that I caught was uh, 18 inches, and the biggest was right around 27. Uh, I had a buddy with me who, um, you know, caught a few rat reds. Uh, but it was it was a good trip. I brought home some fish for the for the grill and for the freezer. That's awesome. So you um, you only had to go about a mile and a half from the launch to, to, to get on those fish? Yeah, it wasn't far at all. Uh, you know, I really – anywhere I could find some, some good uh, vegetation – You'd uh, you'd see redfish, um, you know, crashing bait and and uh, tailing in the grass, and uh, almost sometimes they were the grass was so thick it was hard to present a bait to them. But uh, I was able to mostly mostly catch them along the edges of the grass where I could uh, work the spoon. Okay, and uh, I was just talking to Aaron. Aaron um, and I fished uh, Lafayette Club Slamboree tournament this past weekend. I know Aaron, you were um, actually fishing in basons. For, for redfish the same time uh tyler was out fishing and he were telling me some some interesting i know you you said that the water was pretty dirty and you noticed some other things going on maybe maybe tell us about your trip what people can expect if they're looking to go for the next week or two yeah um started off south and then flipped flipped the script and went north because uh the north area is predominantly known for a lot of grassy areas or grassy ponds but um to be honest the uh the water was you know, pretty brown pretty dirty there was a west wind. It really wasn't that strong, uh, but it was just enough to kind of mess up that water. 
Um, when I did get to the grassy areas, I did notice that a lot of the grass was starting to die. It had turned brown. So I think there may be some decay going on because of that. And it's kind of silting into the water and kind of messing it up. Um, finally found some reds, though, later that, that day. Fourth, um, and in the ponds. And it was, at that point, it was a little bit, I think, right or past high tide. And so the water was kind of high. You had to really go deep in the ponds and find these pockets where the water was, was shallower. Um, in the main pond, two, two and a half foot, you had about six to eight inches, maybe, maybe a foot of visibility. You could basically just see the tops of the grasses. Uh, but if you got in these really further pockets all the way on the edges, uh, water got down to about a foot and you could see the bottom, even though it was still dirty. And that's where you could at least see some reds. And they were, they were tucked. I mean, if you, if you think you could go any further, you needed to go because that's where you'd find two or three reds mm -hmm. kind of schooled up deep in there circling. I found one pond that was completely cloudy because two <clears throat> reds were just having a ball in that <laughs> one little pocket. And it was just like, I didn't even think, I almost didn't even go in it because I was like, this is just disgusting. But I thought to myself, you know, maybe there's something in there. And sure enough, two reds, you know, bolted out of this patch of grass and it was so silted, like it was so messed up. It was just two black shadows in the water. And it was the, it was one of the coolest, you know, sights I've seen in a while in the marsh and uh, managed to grab one out of there. But so, so dirty that once I did hook into one, the other one just sat there not knowing what was going on and almost flipped one in the boat and cast the second wow. one because he was just sitting there like, I don't know what's happening. I couldn't see anything. But, um, but yeah, you had to go real deep in the pockets uh, in Bay Songs. But How far out did you have to go from, from, from the launch? I mean... You know, Went about a mile and a half, almost two, due okay. northwest. Okay. Um, north of north of, if you know where the launch is and you know where um, the sulfur mine is, yeah. If you kind of like draw kind of a line triangle, you know, kind of connecting to the north like that, uh, underneath the stitch, as we call it, the the section of dead end canal that's up there that looks like stitches. Yeah. Um, right below there, there's on the map, it just looks like broken up marsh. I mean, there's no real. It's like true marsh. There's no. There's, there's some dead end canals below it and above it, but it's just potchmarked, you know, broken up, nothing really, you know, uniform at all. And just getting in there and, um, and like I said, just so you find the deep, the deep pockets in, in the main parts of the, the ponds. Uh, if they were there, they were deep and you couldn't see them below the silt. But if you got way into the marsh, um, you would get into some shallow enough water where you would see them uh, and be able to sight cast them. What, what type of baits did you find effective? I used, once I got in there, I used one bait. I, uh, I had a matrix shad. Um, I'm, I'm going to kick myself for not knowing the name, but it's the one where the body is the shrimp creole. It's a vortex shad. The body is a shrimp creole and the tail is the chartreuse. Yeah. Um, and okay. I just had that on a jig head. There was some grassy areas where mm -hmm. I kind of got hung up, but um, I kind of just chose, you know, chose my shots. And when I saw them, uh, the shrimp creole, the sun was out, so the shrimp creole had just enough flash to really show up, and that tail uh, really accented against the dirty water. And so, I mean, when they saw it, they ate it up. I mean, there was no, there was no turn away, turnaways. There was no missed hook sets. I mean, when they saw it, they hit it. What what uh, what size reds were you catching up there? Oh, I caught four uh, before I, I decided to turn it in because I had some other stuff to get done. Um, they were all between uh, 18, 19, and 22 inches. Nice. I had one at 22, and the rest were about 18, 19. Nice, nice. All bright orange, too. They were feeding. Oh, they were yeah. That, that real mm -hmm. gold. Pumpkins. Yeah, pumpkins. 
that's always good to see. Um, so I know you're probably wondering, this, this doesn't look familiar, the background. Mm-hmm. You're probably wondering where we're at. And we're actually today, we're filming on location here at Eric Stacy's house, tournament director, uh, Fallen Tide Patapalooza. And uh, we're out here in his patio. We, um, yeah, I, we didn't, had, I didn't get the invite. I'm over here by myself. So you, you did get the invite. You chose not to drive over here. Aaron drove. But what we got, I tell you, we got Boudin. Um, I stopped today. I was in Lafayette. We got Boudin from Best Stop and Boudin from Billy's. And we were doing a little cook-off earlier. A little uh, yeah, a little something. We got some Rougarou sauces. And uh, we had some stuffed pork chops. <clears throat> the Boudin was fantastic. I mean, uh, Eric's boat was – Eric's boat was, was Billy's. I, I yeah. tended to prefer the, the Best Stop. I don't know. It was I, I liked them both. They had a little spice to it. Both very good. Both very good. You couldn't go wrong. So we actually got some leftover. We're going to be eating throughout the uh, the show tonight. Wish you guys were here. But, um, you know, not everybody can, can join us live. We couldn't fit all you on the camera. So, uh, you know, summer summer was interesting. Um, I, I've got a segment I like to do, what I did on my summer vacation. I don't know. You probably don't remember the Cheech and Chong records, uh, Tyler. But Cheech and Chong had this whole segment about what he did on the summer vacation. He had to write the report. For school and said so he get up went to the walk to the drugstore hung around the front door and then went home and that was his whole summer report for his vacation but i got to do a little bit more than that um i didn't get to fish a lot but i did take uh, a couple of trips to florida gulf shores and um i actually booked a trip with brandon barton who was on our show uh i think the last episode back in june so me and a buddy of mine went down there and um uh fourth of july weekend and we booked a trip with Brandon. Um, uh, he provided all the kayaks, all the gear. We we launched in um, the Bar Pensacola area, somewhere like right in between the areas, right off the beach. Water was gorgeous. I mean, I'm talking, it was prettier. I'd been in Gulf Shores and Panama City. This was the prettiest water I saw. It was visibility easily 10 foot down, easily 10 foot down, Uh crystal clear we, we launch the kayaks as soon as we get out we're, we're 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 making bait we're fishing for bait and i'm seeing these these fish roll at the top i said brandon i think those are tarpon he's like no nah, no nah, i think they're i think they're dolphins he's not really paying attention it's like dude i think they're tarpon and he looks over he says tarpon. so you know he hurries up we get some bait he takes off after one my buddy quinn follows him i'm still jigging for bait because the man's gonna be a while before they catch the tarpon I turn over, I look to my side, and here's this huge fish jumping up the water, just tail dancing. And I said, shit, he hooked one. So now I'm hauling over there. I'm trying to film it the whole way. Um, I get over there, Brandon hands off the rod to my buddy Quinn. Quinn's fighting it. Quinn's only been in a Hobie probably a couple months. He's First time he's ever fished offshore. Uh, so he gets the rod. He's doubled over. You know, the rod's buried in the water. Brandon's helping him the whole time, giving him tips, information, you know how to handle those fish. The trick is you really want to tighten that drag down and get them in fast uh, so you don't kill them. I mean, you, you want to get them in safely, get them released, take a picture, and, and get it back in the water. So by the time I get over there, about 10 minutes later, Quinn's been fighting him. He said, buddy, I, I can just, here, take the rod. I can't do it anymore. So kind of having fish in a kayak a little bit more, I knew let the let the kayak do the work, right? Let Get in the ki- fish, get in the kayak. Bear down, get the good grip on the rod, and let that fish pull you in the kayak. It's gonna wear them down a little bit quicker. So I actually was able to crank on them pretty good. I got them to the top once, 
he made a nice roll and uh, he was probably 120, 125 pounds. Then he dove down. And when he dove down, he, uh, he broke our braid. And uh, it, was, it was disappointing because we really wanted to get a good shot with him. But it was really exciting, at least getting that tarpon hook, seeing him come up and tail dance and, uh, and everything. And I know um, we were the first ones, I think, that Brandon had actually had a customer on and hook up on a tarpon. So the very next day, he had a tarpon trip scheduled with a client, and that guy actually got his tarpon. Uh, line didn't break. I think it was a beautiful fish, too, 100, 120, 130-pound fish. Um, so I was real happy to see that uh, he got them hooked up. Uh, we did go out, uh, caught a few snapper, some beautiful red snapper out there. Uh, the bite wasn't as good as we had hoped, but um, we caught a couple smaller ones we threw back. Had some real nice snapper that we, we caught and brought in. Um, didn't really get on the king finish. Uh, they just weren't biting that day. And um, did see some beautiful sights out there, a giant sea turtle. Uh, saw a couple of um, triple tail. Uh, I think it was a floating log or something. We, we passed by a couple of triple tail on it. Um, then a couple of weeks later, I actually got to go out and fish with, uh, with another guy, Benton Parrot. He fishes some of our tournaments, real good guy. Um, Hobie, Hobie, uh, kayak team member. We just went out fun fishing. Um, uh, we didn't see any tarpon that day. I think maybe we saw one, but, uh, thanks. Thanks, Eric. <laughs> but, uh, we actually got on some trigger fish, caught and released some triggers, saw another giant sea turtle. Uh, had huge manta rays. We saw these massive manta rays jumping out of the water. Just, I mean, the first time I saw it, I was like, what the hell is this? You know, and then uh, Benton saw me, look, these manta rays come out here. Just beautiful, you know, fish coming out the water, jumping down. Got to see that. Really saw some nice sights. So um, we got back to the beach. It was a school of Bonita come swarming in, you know, 20, 30 Bonita. And uh, Benton gets the light gear out, starts fishing them, actually hooks one. So, that was a real good time. Uh, looking forward to going back again. Um, actually, I've got another trip with Brandon booked in September. I think we're going to try to catch some mahi. So if you haven't booked a trip yet and still looking to get out, uh, fishing's only supposed to get better in the fall. It's not snapper season, but uh, the mahi show up, the um, the kings of Spanish. Uh, they even get some sailfish in, uh, in September, October. So it could be something good. Um, we did have a tournament this past weekend, uh, not Bayou Coast, but Lafayette Club had their Slamboree tournament. I think they had about 51 people register for the tournament. So it was a pretty good turnout. It's it's usually a little bit bigger, but it was the weekend before school, and I think a lot of it threw things off. Yeah, And, and um, they had to reschedule it, you know, um, with yeah, that storm it was that came in. So that, that probably threw some people off. Oh, yeah, it did. It did. Still 50. But that tournament down there this time of year was really uh, we did have a west wind that day, and it kind of threw things off a little bit. The water was dirty. I always hear the west wing, um, the west wind, will kind of mess up the fishing a little bit. They had some nice yeah, trout caught, um, good bit of flounder. I think we had, I think we had over uh, over fifteen flounder caught, I believe, because I know we had ten slams out of fifty-one people. Wow. We had ten slams. I know that because. I finished in 10th in the slams with the smallest one yet again. Um, reds, reds were hitting or miss. They had some nice reds. They had some small reds. Um, it was hot, though. It was really hot. I know that uh, I went out, took me three hours to catch a keeper trout, took me 20 minutes to catch a flounder, and then I caught a redfish fairly quickly, but I caught it a day at about 11 o'clock. The heat was, was bad, and I decided to, uh, to come on in. 
and uh, and get back. I took a shower, got some rest. I talked to Aaron a little bit. I know Aaron um, had caught some reds out in Basons, but I don't think you had any trout or flounder, huh? Uh, no flounder and a bunch of dink trout. Yeah. And nothing, maybe maybe one or two at 12, but nothing bigger than that. So they just got yeah. to live another day. But look, man, they had some real some real good uh, guys out there, really grinded it out, stayed out in the heat, you know, and um, were able to, to get it done. Uh, just to announce some of the winners, uh, Big Red, first place was uh, Chauncey Serenay and Kevin Hogue. Big Trout was Ricky Smith and Donnie Burton. Flounder was uh, Mark Eubanks and Wayne Lobb. Mark had a beautiful flounder. It went over 20 inches. Um, a little skinny, I think Chuck would say, a little skinny. But uh, it was it was beautiful. It was a doormat, you know, 20-plus inch flounder. Real nice. On the slam, the main category, uh, Butch Ridgedale finished in fifth. It paid out five places. Uh, Brock Miller, backpacker, finished in fourth. His dad... Justin Miller finished in third. Uh, Matt Carr, the guy from PAC, finished in second. And uh, Devin Belts finished in first. Now, it's really interesting. Um, Brock and his dad both finished in the top five. And his younger brother, Tanner, who I, I guess is about 12? 11 or 12, he ended up winning the youth division. So all three Tanner boys uh, took home prizes at this tournament, which was, was really nice to see. I know Tanner was pretty excited. He actually had... A stud red. I think he had a six, seven pound redfish and a nice yeah, trout. They had to be on him. Yeah. If he'd have gotten a flounder, he would have finished in the top five for sure. Um, the winner, Devin Belts, I think his slam was about 11 pounds from, from what I remember. Um, and look, Devin's on a roll. He's the last three slam tournaments we've had, which goes back to Fallen Tide last year, Paddlepalooza this year, and Slamboree this year. He's taken first in all three uh, tournaments, which is really incredible when you consider, you know, 200-plus at Panapalooza, 100-plus at Fallen Tide, and 50-plus at Slamboree. You know, I mean, good fishermen, you know, are usually in top five, top ten consistently. But to win all three places, first place in all three tournaments, is really a testament to, to, to this guy. He's really on it this year. Um, you know, he'll be there at uh, – the championship tournament at the end of the year. Uh, don't know if he's going to fish Rumble on the River yet. We talked a little bit about that over the weekend, but uh, hopefully, hopefully he can make it. It's always good when you when you got uh, somebody out there rolling like that. You like to dethrone him if you if you get a chance, you know. That's right. So, the, the other day you were telling me you hoped he wouldn't make it so so he wouldn't mess up your AOI points. So well, I, that's just <laughs> you just you're making shit up now. I specifically said I hope Devin makes it. <laughs> Because, you know, you would have beat the man, right? Beat the man. So him, Steve Lassard are up there. Uh, you know, Chuck's up there. I think they're all great fishermen, um, you know, all up at the top right now. So it's going to come down to those last last two tournaments for uh, Rumble on the River and, um, and Fallen Tide. So, look, I know a lot of, a lot of people are tuning in tonight because they want to get some tips on Ride the Bull. And uh, I'm not the best person to talk about it. I've only been able to fish it once. Um Mostly, I don't like fishing it because of the heat. I'm just kind of a wanker like that. But, uh, you know, we've got Aaron LaRose here. We've got Eric Stacy. I know both of them have fished it. Both have caught bulls. Aaron, uh, Eric, I know what you highest place was. 19th. 19th out of how many people? Oh, like like 700. 19th out of 700. That's pretty good. You know, I, was that the money? Was that in the money? No. It no. should have been in the money. 19th yeah. out of 700 should have been in the money. But, um. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna 
let them kind of take it over a little bit, talk about some of the things you need to do. Because really the thing with Ride the Bull, you got to remember, it's a shotgun launch. You're all launching for the same spot at Bridgeside. There's going to be five or 600 kayaks. It's deep water. You're fishing deep for, for big redfish. And there are a lot of things you need to do if you want to have a successful trip. Um, I remember from my one experience uh, was the amount of people that got rescued, uh, flipping their kayaks, a lot of inexperienced people. You know, you get a 40-pound bull, uh, bull on your line, you lean over, you're going in the drink. So you really want to be careful doing that. So I'm going to talk to Aaron and Eric and let them kind of talk a little bit about things that you want to do to have a successful, um, you know, ride the bull. Uh, first thing is, I know the tournament is set for August 23rd and 24th, guys. All right. And the 23rd, is that uh, an actual tournament day where you fish or is that just the captain's meeting? That's going to be the captain's on? meeting um, at Bridgeside. They're going to do um, go over the rules. They're going to uh, they're going to do they're going to serve a meal. Um, so get there early. Make sure you get your you get your food and sit down and hang out and you know talk with others. Um, they're going to go over the rules. They're going to do some of the side contests and talk more about those. I know there's a uh, pimp my kayak contest where uh, anybody who's got their kayak you know, really rigged up nice or, you know, flashy, whether it be lights or wrapped or all kind of colors, you know, they're going to have that kind of side contest going on and you can get more information about that. I want to say the top five for that will have a special spot at the front where they can display their kayaks and then there can vote on who they think is the, the top, you know, the most pimped out kayak. Nice. Um, another side contest they're going to have for the Saturday is uh, like a costume contest where if you're decked out and you're going to, you know, get an entry for, you know, a side prize um, or, you know, if you come dressed up as something or themed or, or, or do something with the so, so Dan Roddell, I hope you're uh, listening. He this is. is important. This is. is actually a he contest is. that you can dress up as and actually win something this time. So, you know. That's a good point. You might want to show up. You did a great job last time. I've seen Spider Man out there before. Seen Spider Man. Yeah. yeah. I think if you put, I think if you put Dan with with his bow tie, yeah. and maybe some black glasses, he could pass for the uh, the uh, Six Flags guy. Yeah. I could see that. I don't know the Six Flags. That's guy. that's that's a free that's a free um, you know recommendation to you dan i say take it and run with it i think you'd, you'd have it in the bag get a nice white shirt bow tie black glasses we'll cue some music up and uh i think it's, it's six flags all over again okay so if you're gonna wear a costume eric who are you gonna dress up as if, if you were picking, who to wear a costume out there put me on the spot i don't know man <laughs> maybe you that'd be easy that would be awesome dress up as I, I sean get, i would get some fur and put it on my back and Costume complete. <laughs> I mean, that's it. That's pretty much. Yeah. Pretty I, think, I think I'd probably grab uh, every rod out my closet and a tie-dye shirt and go as Todd. <laughs> <laughs> they don't make enough Scotty rod holders for you to put on your, your kayak. I'd, I'd take off my shirt and hang out my gut, and I'd be Ron Jeremy because of all the hair on my chest. Oh, Lord. <laughs> and right. back. <laughs> and back. <laughs> the hedgehog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Me, uh, <laughs> I would have to finally shave and maybe go as Mr. Clean, get some white oh, jeans and yes. the white, the white medium t-shirts. Yes. I got too much gut, though. I'd have to hide. I'd have to scrunch down and kind of hide that. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, I would maybe dye the eyebrows white and then put some white there. Yeah. Fake earring right here. 
Eric, I know we're here. Eric's wife is, is joining. She's not in the podcast, but she's over here in the chair and all this. Eric, I know who your wife would, would dress up as if she were to go. Well, hang on a second. Look at your box. He's talking about you. Yeah, we're talking about you. Looking at us. We're, 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 we're talking about costumes to wear to, to ride the bull, and I know who you would dress up as if you were to if you were theoretically to go to ride the bull with Eric. It's an easy one for me. Who's that? She's Kira. Who? Kira, Kira. from Xanadu. It's real easy. Xanadu. Yeah, oh, that's Lord. her. That's so, an obscure uh, reference. <laughs> That's a very obscure. Don't, don't make me kill them. Yeah, <laughs> so, <laughs> that's a very obscure right. reference. So, um, wow. Anyway, I don't think any of us will be will be winning any awards at, at Ride the Bull for our costume prowess. Um, so look, what the the format, uh, Aaron, tell us a little bit about the format. I know it, it's, it's it's bull red. Yeah. Man. So, so what, what's a bull red? Bull red is over twenty seven inches. Um, but if if history serves. You know, as testament to what to expect, you're looking at upwards to 37 to 40 plus inches is going to be a winner. You know, if they, you know, this is the time they run through, and you know, you've got, I think we've got almost 500 something people registered already, maybe wow. more, or 400 something definitely, but maybe we're we're, we're pushing five. Yeah, I think it's getting close to five. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Oh, I was got, looking at their Facebook. Have, you know, on the past. And just when the school comes through, it, it's hookup time. And like I said, it's, it's, it's kind of a lottery. There is some skill involved. Um, we'll, we'll mention some of that. I, I'm not going to admit to be the best at that skill, but I, knew, I do know there are a lot of people that, that will, will invoke some, some skill and some, um, some historical you know, lessons they've learned as far as how to catch and target bull red. But for the most part, it's a lottery. Um, Todd, and, Todd says it's over 530 now. Okay. Wow. Thanks, wow, Todd. Yep. What's the biggest red you've ever caught, Eric? Biggest red I've ever caught was 38. 38? Biggest red you ever caught? 44. 44. Not, at, not at Ride the Bull. Not at Ride the Bull either. Yeah. <laughs> I think mine was uh, 38 and 11 twelfths inches. So it was good size. <laughs> it was good oh, size. No. So, so um, okay. First thing, let's talk safety before we talk rigging. Um, obviously, you need a kayak, you know, uh, what, what what do you guys recommend without getting into gear yet? What do you guys recommend that you think is essential for bringing out there? Obviously, you're going to want a life jacket. Yep. You know, a yep. functioning life jacket because of everything going on. There's going to be boats moving around and everything. So you, you want a life jacket. Um, what else? What else should they bring? A whistle. A whistle. A whistle. Yep. Okay. What's the purpose of the whistle? Well, one, if you catch a fish and if you're out by yourself blowing it, that uh -huh. way – Somebody can get the guy's attention and then get to chase boats if they're away from you and, and get them to uh, your area. So when you hook a fish, you know, there's, there's again, there's five, going to be five, 600 kayakers out there. And I understand they have a boat that comes around to pick up your fish from you. You have multiple yeah. boats. Yeah, you yeah. have multiple chase boats um, in various areas. Uh, and they'll be communicating with each other on a certain radio frequency. Um, another safety, you know, thing you may have, if you do have a VHF radio, the tournament directors will announce the channel that they're going to be on, you are welcome to use that channel to announce if you have a redfish or someone near you has a redfish as well as call for help. Okay. It'll be tuned into all the chase boats as well as the tournament director back on, you know, land if he's, if he's not on the water. Um, so that's also a possible safety measure. If you have that um, just bright, bright clothing. Um, I mean, we're not, you're not side fishing. So don't, don't be afraid of trying to spook fish. You're not going to spook fish, you know, just uh, be, be uh, visible 
uh, be vocal if you need to. Um, ask others for help. Um, I know um, in years past, you know, when somebody hooks up, you know, they, they start hooping and hollering. But it's, it's very helpful for other anglers around that person to also try it. Because you're just sitting there soaking bait. You're not doing anything. Put a paddle up in the air. Uh, call, Try to help call because they're going to be trying to fight a fish. And, you know, the, the longer it takes for a chase boat to come to help them, you know, the, the worse things can get. So um, I know a lot of people have, you know, help each other out and try to call for a boat. Um, another safety measure, um, you know, have your things leashed. I know this is kind of going into gear and we're kind of, we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves, but uh, just safety for your gear. Um, in the if, event if, the you wind, if the wind, if you tip over in the event, you tip over, but also just, um, you know, in the event that the, the waves might be rough um, and you're fighting a fish and, and things kind of get crazy, you know, um, I wouldn't go out there. The thing you can say for safety is don't go out there with a whole lot of rods. No, yeah. don't, don't yeah. be a Todd no. and, and, and go out with nine rods for ride the bull. You know, go with two, two at the most. Max um, in yeah. case one fails, right. Eric makes a good point. You know, you have a second backup in case. Um, however, you know, most have our rods behind us. Mm -hmm. And the worst thing that can happen is you're fighting a fish and you have to go behind your head because he's spinning around your kayak. One thing I do is when I do hook up, if I do have time, I'm going to grab that rod. I'm going to lay it flat down and I'm going to, I'm going to secure it to, you know, flat down that way. If I do have to spin, I'm not having to go above. I'm not having to open the bail, go above my rod, and maybe mm. accidentally wrap my line around my rod tip of my second rod, and then I'm just, you know, I'm in trouble there. Um, so, you know, be minimal. Um, you know, we're, we're going to go into this, but to be honest, this is this is my rideable tackle box. Yeah, it's it's hooks, sinkers. Um, I've got a I've got a thing of fluorocarbon for leader, and I've got some swivels in there, and that's it. Because you okay. really you really um, there's, there's, there are some people that will fish certain artificial. Um, they may get large jig heads and put the big gulp. The big gulp. The um, tail gulps are good. There may be some people that that try a buzz bait or something kind of, you know, that makes a lot of noise. Most likely, the fish will not be high in the water column because there are going to be so many kayakers there. Mm. Um, I know, I know, Brock and some other guys. You know, when they go out by themselves, they hook into a lot of bulls in top water. They'll hook them into jigging. You know, but a lot of those times is when it's just, you know, one or two people out on the water in their kayak. The reds, you know, they're not going to be, they're, they're going to be more inclined to be in high in the higher water column, maybe on the surface or, you know, hitting top water. Mm -hmm. But, um, and, and, and people can chime in on the Facebook and maybe, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think there's been many redfish caught on top water on Ride the Bull, just because there's so many kayaks there, depending on where you're at. Yeah, so. when you got 700 people throwing one to two ounce uh, lead heads into the water. It's like somebody shooting a shotgun. I mean, boom, 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 boom. Yeah. yeah. Not, so you, most people are fishing the bottom, maybe suspended if they if they see something on their on their radars, you know, on, on their electronics that suggest that the fish may not be on the bottom. But for the most part, everybody's soaking bait on the bottom, and, and um, so take patient and just be minimal. Okay. With now, what you bring now, so we've got you know we 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 know we want a couple of rods, we want some gear. Eric's got some some great suggestions on gear that we're going to look at in a few minutes. Uh, what about when you, when you catch a fish? Are you using a net to to get them into the kayak? What's the best way to bring the big bulls into the? Like we said earlier, the chase boats are going to come out and and let you finish catching the fish. Um, you actually have to bring the fish into your boat. You just have to leader it. Once you leader it, the chase boat and, and hold it right there 
the uh, the chase boat will then pull in close to try to let you tra transfer that fish to them. Now, I would recommend some kind of latching device, whether it be a fish grip or mm -hmm. boga grip. Um, boga grip, if you do have that, make sure that's strapped to your kayak with a leash as well. Um, you can actually, I know some people that will latch that to the, you know, to the fish and leave it, you know, leave it be. They, they trust that the grip won't let go or, you know, and it's, but, you may have to do that. Or like Johnny Bergeron, don't do that. But anyway, it does give you, it does give you a little bit free to get your bearings yeah. and wait for the chase boat. Now, once the chase, um, they will, you know, you will then communicate with them how you best want to get the fish to them. Um, you can bring it into your lap and then bring it over. But once you've leadered it, that's when the chase boat knows they are now, able, you have technically caught the fish, but they are now capable of coming help you land the fish. And that by that, I mean land the boat. What I've done in the past is I actually netted mine. I've actually netted mine at the side of the boat, take my grips and then grip them in there and then pull up. So I actually have my grips on it. Plus, have it in a net and when they come there the fish you know hopefully they get to you quick because you don't want to fish out of the water more than five or ten minutes you know if you have to dip it down the water to give it some some oxygen some water and air and then back in you know you want the fish to be alive so we're going to release them um but then when they come i just hand them my whole net They'll grab it all they unhook it all tag it get your number and give you a net back in your roll. and so that's good they'll actually unhook the fish for you yeah Correct. okay yes. And then look, and the point being, they want to keep the fish alive. They actually will take it on the boat. They go and they weigh it. Mm -hmm. Is that right? And then they re-release it back into the water. They weigh it, tag it, uh, do the the, the wildlife fishers do whatever they do to it. You know, yeah. take all this, and then they let it back in the water. Yeah. So you know, you know, try to keep the fish uh, as best conditions you can, so the the chase boats get there. But you know, it sounds like once they get there, as long as you got a leader, they're going to take care of it from there. You know, help you out. Uh, that brings a good fish. point. Yeah, back. You know, I know we keep going back to gear. Um, try, try to get heavier gear. You know, four thousand or higher reel, uh, heavy rod. Um, you know, this is it, it. It's it actually behooves you to do this because depending on where you're at in the past, you don't want to be. You don't want to have a lot of time with that fish in the water because a. You're tiring the fish. You don't want to kill the fish. But also, you know, B, you've got other people around you. The faster you get that fish in the water, the less chance you have of tangling into somebody else or tangling into the boat. I have seen a boat actually back up on the line, and their line got caught in their motor. They then had – they were basically out until they got it out because now they're having to go around the pass with a trolling motor, and they're looking to any help to anyone at this point. So – you know, you want to get that fish in as fast as possible. It's just like the tarpon fish. You gonna you get tighten that, in, that drag, tighten down, drag down, tighten the drag down, get them in. So have some some heavy, you know, braid, you know, 30, 60 pound braid if you got it. Once again, also 30, 40, 50, 60 pound mono leader if you got it. What I use, I use a hundred pound braid mm -hmm. and a mono leader, and I'll crank it down and I'll force it in to get it about probably 10, 15 feet from my boat as close as I can, and then let it pump a little bit and then tire it out you know i'm usually i don't let my anchor loose and yeah. it just stays there but i i crank it i mean if i lose it i lose it on 100 pound braid well i don't need that fish correct that's the way i look at it okay so i know one of the big issues is that with the current moving you you know you're not going to be moving around a lot you're not going to be you don't have a lot of freedom to pedal around and so a lot of the people are going to want to anchor is that right okay 
Don't so, so yeah, don't troll. There's too many lines out there. Um, and just to give an idea of people, if, if they've never been out there before and they're like, well, I don't know where to go to catch a bull. Everybody's launching at the same spot and everybody's essentially fishing in the same area, right? I mean, they're Pretty fishing much. right yeah. there by the bridge. So the northern the northern border is, and, and, and I know there's a name for it. It's like a second cut. The cut, yeah. the cut they call it. So the cut is, if you're looking at a map and the bridge comes across from Elmer's to Grand Isle, northeast of that bridge, there's a there's an area called the cut. It's a deep it's a deep channel, um, not quite as deep as the pass, but very deep, and uh, is a very hot spot for bull reds. I want to say last year there was a good ton caught in that area. At one point it was fast and furious because I remember I was on the opposite side. I was actually more in the past. And we had a few people hook up and there were no chase boats. They were all, you know, hooping and hollering like, where are the boats? It was because they got so crazy on the north end at one point that all of the boats, yeah, all of the boats had ran that way. Finally, another boat or two came back to us and and I even flipped it. I was like, I'm just going to go over there. I think I ran into you and maybe John, I don't know, maybe John was over there with you. Um. And by that point, it shut down. I mean, so, it was, so we're it was, talking. I, I know that there you're talking about. So if you're if you're actually on Grand Isle on the island, mm-hmm. and you're at the edge of the bridge where the bridge comes across Grand Isle, yeah. if you're facing the other way, facing uh, with your back to the Gulf, facing north, yeah. it's one the o'clock. cut to your right. Yeah, yeah one, one, one o'clock, o'clock. one o'clock. Yeah. So they got that cut over there, and then I think other people fish right in the pass, like under the bridge. Some right people on. go under the bridge. Yep, um, near those wharfs. Uh, there, I know there's one big, you know, long wharf that comes off the, mm-hmm. uh, the, the north or off elmers coming south and there's one that comes from bridgeside going north yeah they try to go in between those um a lot of people another big spot is the mouth of the pass out of the gulf now there is going to be a buoy yeah there they are going to set a buoy out um beyond the mouth into the gulf to to mark you know the, the, the southernmost boundary okay and you're not allowed to get out there now if you hook into a fish and you do get pulled that way, you're not allowed to fish um, beyond that buoy. So be on the lookout for that. You'll hear them talk about that. And I would say this. If you're not experienced, if you haven't done this before, if you haven't hiked before in open water, I would recommend going towards the, the pass, towards the Gulf. Uh, you can get a good current out there. You can get a lot of waves coming in. Um, it, it can get a little rough. So, you know, stay in a little bit more protected area and, uh, and, and fish in that areas. But um, we get to a good point. You're not going to be a troll. You're going to want to anchor down. And um, it's important to have the right anchor. I know because the time I went out there, I did not have the right anchor. And I kept moving around. I kept dragging. Uh, so uh, Eric and, uh, and Aaron have actually both brought uh, examples of the type of anchor you want to use. And um, you can pick up something like this at uh, Academy. Yep. Okay, you know, Academy. And what, what what's it called? What's this anchor called? This is a Bruce anchor. Bruce anchor. Right? This is a Bruce, it's, it's anchor, a Bruce anchor or a claw anchor. Okay. Um, so I'm going to call it that. Can you uh, show it to us on the um, thing? Biggest thing you want to do is all of these will come um, with a, a, a loop on the very heel of it, I guess you can call it. Yeah. Um, and also a loop at the top. And now you'll notice, too, that both Eric and I have a small length of chain. Mine's a little longer than his. His is a little bigger. Um, The reason being is that you're going to be in current and without this chain, this anchor is fairly heavy, but in that type of current, 
Um, you want this anchor to hit the bottom and lay down as quickly as possible. So this chain, this little length of chain here, causes it to this lay anchor flat. Is, is two point two pounds. Correct. Uh, one kilogram, so two point two pounds. Probably about the same. Yeah, about the same size. Um, you want this to lay flat, just like this, like we're holding it, and that way, when you then pull, it grips that bottom of that channel as fast as possible. If you don't have a weighted chain, you can still get this secured. It's just a little harder. You almost have to like, you almost have to kind of be at an angle and really pull it. Okay. The chain helps this to lay flat. And it'll actually, it'll hit the bottom, like kind of like this, but this chain will pull this bottom part too. Without that, this might float a little longer than you want. It's going to be harder to grab the bottom. The other thing we do is, and, and, and Eric noted that my tie is a little thicker than it probably needs to be. But if you attach this chain at the top uh, via a small twist tie little, to the top of that. A little regular twist tie, kind of a small twist tie. If this thing gets really stuck, there's something solid. It's not if, it's when. When, okay. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's when. Yeah. Um, what you do is, if you don't have this, um, when you try to pull in this anchor, you're, you're pulling on that, whatever it's stuck on, and it's not coming off. If you snap this, you then bring the point of contact to the heel. Wait, hang on, hang on. So Eric's going to show us a, a demonstration here. Can you see Okay. Can you see that? Can you see it? Tyler, can you see it? Yeah, we, we got it. Well, okay. If you're long and you can't get it out, then you just give a yank and it pulls out backwards. Yeah. Okay, so you can see before how the, the chain is attached to the end of the anchor, but with the, with the twist tie. But you yank it hard enough, it breaks the twist tie. And it pulls it, and out it back. pulls the anchor out. Right. So you're able to free it from an obstruction, a rock, something, something. Right. That's a really good trick because, you know, it's it's going to get caught. Keep and yeah. always keep extra twist ties. Keep extra you. twist ties. Yeah. It don't get a monster twist tie. You right. got to remember, it's just there to hold the the uh, chain onto the anchor. You don't want something that you can't break. Yeah. You know? Um, and then from that chain, you just want to have your, your basic yeah. boat rope. Um, I think mine is yeah. 60 foot. Um, most of the pass, I think the deepest part of the pass might get to 60 or 70. Okay. Um, most people will be fishing the ledge and that drops yeah. anywhere from 12 to 30 to 40 feet, you know, kind of great, you know, kind of a gradient. Um, and that's kind of where you want to be. Um, but like I said, I mean, if you just have enough rope. Now you don't, if, if rule of thumb, and, and I know Todd has talked about this, um, you know, if you if you're fishing in 40 foot of water, don't get a 40 foot rope. Right. <laughs> um, you want at least 15, 20 feet more than that because you got to consider that you'll be at an angle. Yeah. Um, so you don't. So if you're in 40 foot of rope, get. I mean, I'm sorry, 40 foot of water, get 50 or 60 foot of rope, probably 60 or more. The other thing that's going to happen is if you've got, uh, and I know my dad, you know, he he used to do a lot of sailing, and uh, when they'd anchor a boat, that rope's too short. And your kayak doesn't have slack. It's going to be taking the waves like this. It's just right. going to, it's really going to take a beating. Whereas if you had slack, it's going to come back and it's going to be able to come up and down a little yeah, bit easier ride have, with the waves. You'd rather have more rope than, than not enough. Right. You know, right. Um, and then plus, you know, understand if people are concerned, like, well, God, all this gear. Reminder, go light. Two yeah. rods. I've got one tackle box, one thing of, of, yeah. You know, leader material, and two rods and an anchor. And then we're going to have a couple other things depending on what kind of bait. And a lot of water to stay hydrated.
You don't and not a lot of water. That's right. The only ice chest that you really should bring is a small one to have drinks, water, you know, whatever, keep you hydrated, maybe some snacks. You don't need a big fish bag because you're not keeping the fish in there. So it's it's you're gonna have space to hold this other stuff. And look, guys, save the wine for the for the for the weigh in afterwards, not so that you can drink it. Uh, it'll dehydrate you quick on the water, you know, in the sun. So save the wine for the thing. But look, what happens if you, you're you anchored down, you hook a red, and he starts pulling you? I mean, you you don't have a free hand to pull up that anchor. What can you do? Well, I mean, in, in the rule of thumb is you don't want to let your anchor loose and have that fish drag you through 15 other people's lines. So that's the reason I use such heavy braid. I want the fish coming to me. I'm okay. But in, I have had once to let my line loose. I was out by the mouth, by the gulf, and I had to let it loose. And I use this, and I suggest uh, basically, I mean, it's just rubber rods. So when you're out there and that tide's pulling you, you don't want to, you know, your, your kayak. This gives a little leeway. Okay. But I use a, this regular carabiner clip, unclip it, and go and do what I have to. This will stay off. So you can, you can clip one end to your kayak. Yes. And clip the other end to your anchor rope. Yep. So if you need to do a, a quick release, you unclip the part from your kayak. Yep. It'll it'll keep your anchor and your, your line there. So if you have to chase around with the redfish, then you can come back okay. and, 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 and reclip back to the anchor line. Or you can, um you know, you can go back and retrieve your anchor later. Also, so you're good. Also, if you're in 12 feet of water, you don't need 50 foot of line out. Right. You may need 25. So what I do is I like 50 to 60 feet of line i've come through here and I, you see this from last mm. couple of years i actually tie a little mover's knot in it just take your line just basically i do it like this a little knot just so you can like this put a loop and then i anchor put that to the bottom so i don't have all that line out then i'll have the just the amount of line that i need to keep my, my huh. kayaks that's a good point so, okay. i will say use your best judgment on on releasing you know the anchor um we had we had somebody on Facebook this past week talk about it or ask about it like you know should I release my anchor or should I not? If you are if you are in some part of the pass and there's no one around you, you know that's 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 pretty all fine and good if you need to release. But um, you if you are around four or five um, four or five kayakers and you release this, understand that if they hook up or even if a chase boat comes through. There's a chance that they or the chase boat may catch into this. Um, I know Eric has mentioned earlier one time the, the the current in the past was so strong that he released this kind of went underwater. Yeah. So at that point, this is not even able to be seen by a chase boat. So if chase boat runs across this, they may you know catch into this, um, if, especially if you're not anywhere near it. They're not expecting anything to be just floating in the middle of the water by itself. So try to use the best judgment. Know that um, you're trying to get it. Yeah, know that you know you've got a fish, and you know, we want you to land it. But be considerate of others, and and be careful about your gear getting in the way of other people as well, or even the chase boats. Mm -hmm. I think that gear sold this at the captain. So uh, th these floats sold uh, by Yak Gear, one of the club sponsors at Academy, along with the uh, I'm sure with the anchor leash. I think the uh, group of Boulder is a Yak Gear. I'm not positive. Okay, maybe I don't know. It's been a I've had this thing for seven, eight years. Okay. Well, let's talk. Um, let's talk rods now. So we kind of know what we needed to prepare. Uh, but you know, I know some people say, "Look, I, I just don't have two hundred dollars to go spend on a rod reel. I want to fish a tournament." But 
I can't I can't go spend two hundred dollars on a big rod and reel. Um, you know, what, what can they do? I mean, what what are we looking at? I know you said suggested at least something with a four thousand plus reel. Yeah. You know, you, you want, want a nice sturdy rod. You want a good reel, uh, not only for the size and, and strength of it, but also for the amount of line. You're going to have a good bit of line out. Um, but also, you want a sturdy rod. So this is uh, this is a Pro Cat, um, and I don't know the price point on this. Thirty nine bucks. Thirty nine dollars. Thirty nine dollars. Reel and rod. Reel and rod. Combo. Forty dollars combo yep. right here. I mean, unless I, I would say this: if you are if you are coming out to do ride the bull for the first time. Mm -hmm. and you don't foresee yourself being a person that goes and fish bull reds all the time honestly go to bass pro go to get you an inexpensive combo that you can just wear out yeah. for a day because that's yeah. really that's really what you're going to be doing bass pro Cabela's, i mean you don't want to i mean yeah you can use an expensive rod but i use this rod once a year once a year and you mm -hmm. see this is rigged up from last year yeah. i mean it's back on put it in my closet and that's where it's been until today and I mean, you'll you'll most likely use it again unless you just dunk it in the water for yeah. five minutes. But I mean, it, it's it's not you're 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 looking for something that's strong and sturdy. That's just strong, much it. strong it's and not sturdy. Technical. It's not. It's not finesse. And you're not going to be casting flashy. long distances no. with any accuracy. No. You just need to get your bait it's in the water. Big slab or big bullet on the end. Yeah. So, um, uh, I mean, okay. so they make combos like that, very inexpensive. I mean, I've seen people with tuna rods yeah. out yeah. there. I mean, an inexpensive tuna rod that you can get. You know, it's just mm -hmm. a medium heavy. Yeah. Medium heavy. And what size reel is that? Oh, uh, it looks to be about a four five, or something, 5,000. It says PC60, but I mean, yeah. hey, that's about one. So at least a four or 5,000 uh, series reel is what you're going to want on there. yard or 20 pounds. So, look, um, Sure it's not so then the other part we know we Eric talked a little bit about the line you want you want a braid you want a uh, a heavy uh, uh, fluorocarbon leader on there you know 80 80 pound test maybe 100 pound test something at least over 60 uh, yeah. is what they're saying what size um what size hooks are y'all using and what size weights are you using because you, you've got to be dropping it down 40 to 60 feet uh, to get to the bottom so I use a one ounce. Depends on, depends, depends on. Go ahead. I say it depends on. You can say it depends on the current. Yeah. Okay. It depends on the current. I mean, with a basic current, you want at least a one ounce. I mean, that's, that's probably three and four. That's three and three four. And four. Um, you know, you you want it. You kind of can get a handful of these just in various sizes depending on the current. So basically, I mean, egg sinkers. Egg sinkers. Yeah. You know. So yeah. You're gonna want something. Um. You're not gonna want. So you you basically gonna do like a Carolina rig. Um, or Texas rig, you know, some people call it that too. Um, you're not going to want a drop shot or anything like that, but basically, give, give me a rod again, real quick. He's got some leaders he right got here. Some already done. Well, that's not what we did. So, so here's here's Eric's setup here. He's just got your basic egg sinker here with with. And this is actually looks like it's pre-made. Um, I made it. He made it. Um, and it's got like a looks like a probably a nine knot or a ten knot hook on the on the end there. Yeah, is that a circle a, hook? A circle hook. Circle you want hook. a circle hook? Um, you don't want to. You don't want to gut hook any fish. You just want to um, get them in the corner of the mouth. Um, and anybody who hooks, um, you also want to be reminded you never you never want to set the hook uh, on a fish when you're using a circle hook. You just want to reel down, and that hook will, will then slide to the corner of that mouth and just you know hook itself. Can you demonstrate for us how that works? Yes, yeah, sure. Come come here. <laughs> Um, but yeah, you don't want to set the hook. And I mean, you're going to be in deep water, so you're probably not going to, not going to do much by setting the hook, but you just want to reel down 
and um, it, it kind of does it, its own thing. But this is this is a this is a rig. Looks like he's got um, got clamps down on the on the leader here. So you can kind of see there um, some aluminum clamps on the top. He's got it to a swivel, and he's got about five or six of these rigged up. He's got a uh, sliding egg weight in the middle with some beads. And he's got them wrapped around a piece of pool noodle. This so is this a very is, this simple is a really uh, neat idea. Mm -hmm. So you've got uh, six or seven pre-made leaders with different weights on there, um, all wrapped around the pool noodle. So if he, he decides to change it real quick, yep. all he's going to do is clip off the other one, tie on the new. He puts a little screw through the eye of the swivel, of the swivel and inserts that into the, uh, get up there and show them. This is a really great yeah. idea. Look, uh, it's a it. basically just, minimal tackle box. That's almost that's all you need right there. That's all I'm pretty yeah. much carrying. Yeah. Here you go. If I run out this many, I lose this many. I don't. I need to go in. Now, what's your now? Oh while God. we're while we're on this topic, we'll, we'll segue into bait. Um, as you see, we're using circle hooks here, and they're pretty big. Um, there's, I would say, there's probably three, maybe four main types of bait you're going to use. Um, of course, there's your artificials, which a few people will use, whether it's a top water, they'll they'll get a big jig head, a one, one ounce, one and a half ounce jig head with a big hook and put uh, the large size gulp. If you fished any of our past tournaments like Fallen Tide or, or Paddlepalooza, um, we've been fortunate every now and then to get the really big gulps from big uh, gulps. from yeah. pure fishing from five, Gerald Gaspar. Five or six inches? Five inches. Yeah. Big curl gulps. Um, I don't think, you know, you use them anywhere else, but this this application. I mean, it'd be mm -hmm. fun to try to sidecast some some reds in a marsh with those, see what happens. But to be honest, you know, um, you know, they really they they really work for this application. If, if you know they're they're looking for that. Um, other types of bait, um, and this bait will be um, will be sold at Bridgeside. Uh, frozen mullet, um, which uh, many people chunks and bury or or hook you know these circle hooks into that. Another piece of gear that Eric uh, and I both carry um, is a small cutting board with a small knife. Um, I actually purchased mine one year at Bridgeside because yes. I forgot my my one at home, and so I just went to Bridgeside, got a small cutting knife and a small cutting, and just brought that with it's your wife's cutting board. Yeah, no. uh, if it comes home smelling like cut mullet, she's not going to be happy, and uh, you know that fish. Tends to linger and stuff like that. No matter how well you scrub it, some so, people will use whole mullet. Whole mullet. Um, some people mullet. use cut. Some people will use live mullet. Um, I know some people too. I think Todd and Peter yeah. will uh, will bring a little sabiki rig and go catch some some smaller stuff. I don't know if you catch white trout with this, but maybe. Yeah. So um, this is a size six mustad little sabiki rig. Yep. Uh, if you ever done any offshore fishing, you'll know that. A lot of times, this is what they'll use to uh, to catch the bait, the little sardines, or hardtails, uh, uh, things like that. Basically, you put it on with a uh, triangle weight. They, they've got these things where you just uh, they've got this. It's really easy just to attach the weight to it. And you just jig it up and down. Little you know, if you can find a little clip on one end, you can jig it up and down. Fish pop. You're gonna want a live well or something to keep them alive. Little yep. little thing like that. Um, but another, you got another you big crabs. another bait is crab. Crabs. Um, there will be uh, plenty I, of crabs I, on the I island. Know, they'll have live crab. They definitely have frozen crab. 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 Um, some people say they don't like the crab because the, hard the small well the hardheads, but also the small fish will pick out yeah, the meat. The meat. Yep. 
uh, and then you're just left with a shell, and you don't even know it. So, um, now you can probably get like some crab. small live crabs at some of the big, yeah. uh, some of the restaurants over there. I'm mm-hmm. sure Commodell's probably yeah. have some some smaller. Uh, you know, hell, they may even stock some for this tournament. You sure. know, yeah, I think sure. when you break off the the claws, right, and you hook them through the little. Uh, through the little uh, leg socket, break on the leg, and you can hook them through the yeah. socket, or through yeah. the back, back socket, through the back yeah. socket, yeah. yeah. In so one socket, out the you other. You can, you can, um, you can go on Google, uh, look at that. I, I know I've, I've looked up uh, hooking various baits before, so they they'll give you a good idea how to hook up uh, uh, things like that. I, I'm gonna interject. I, I had a uh, six inch gulp here handy, so I went and grabbed go. one. Uh, I know these can be kind of tough to find in the store sometimes, but I know that. Um, both Pack and Paddle and Puglias keep them in stock. That's two two of our club sponsors. Uh, so if you have trouble finding them, I know those two keep them. Now, Tyler, um, I seem to recall you recently catching your personal best redfish. I did. Uh, at the IFA, I, I caught a 40 and a half inch on uh, this bait, but uh, I believe it was chartreuse. Chartreuse, yeah. That was, it was, how big was it? 40 and a half inches. 40 and a half inches. I remember there. Um, and you caught him actually up in the water column. He wasn't, he wasn't all the way down. I know we were fishing 60 to 80 foot of water. You yeah. caught him, I think, as you were reeling him in. Is that right? Yeah, I was, I was really reeling, reeling up to make another cast. Uh, I, I'm not 100% sure how deep I was in the water at the time. Uh, and, and he, he hit it on the way up. And you were fishing that, I remember, just with a jig head, right? Yeah, I had it on a two-ounce jig head. A two-ounce jig head. So... You know, you can you can certainly go to the store, and you know you have to go in the, the the you know the offshore section typically, but they'll have these big jig heads you can purchase, uh, two ounces. Basically, you hook that thing on there, and you're just jigging it up and down. That's right. Uh, yeah. I should have grabbed. I wish I would have grabbed the jig head. I have I have some of those in the other room too. I can go grab one. No, that's all right. We we just um you know you can go out there and look at it. We've um we've talked baits, hooks, lines, rods, and reels. Uh, prepping. Anything else, you guys? Uh, Definitely stick around after uh, okay. award ceremony. Um, also, hmm? oh yeah, where yeah, your PFD? Um, you know, stick around after after the uh, all the way and said and done. Um, they're going to do the awards. They're going to have another meal that night as well. Um, they're going to be also some sponsors. Um, I know there there's been some talk uh, about changes in the prizes. Um, CCA, uh, we, we talked with Rad and, and, you know, we were concerned as well because we're a similar organization, you know, a nonprofit that, that also does tournaments and, and we give cash prizes. But basically, while the, the whether you can or cannot give uh, cash payout for a prize is, is not entirely, you know, clear in our, in our heads at this moment, um, what Rad and, and, and the team over for Ride the Bull has, was basically told by CCA, you know, corporate, if you want to call it that. I mean, the, the, the top most national level of, of CCA, um, their CFO basically said, you know, we see this as something that could possibly affect our, our national, you know, chapters. I mean, from, from a national standpoint, um, they all kind of share the same accounting information. I think they all have the same tax ID. And so, you know, they were basically told, you know, don't do it. Don't, don't do the cash prizes. So, I mean, they went out to sponsors and got, you know, all this, all these great prizes at a dollar for a dollar amount for the winner that it's higher than what the cash payout would have been. I mean, we're talking about if, if, and I'm just throwing numbers out here, you know, hypothetically, I think 
like if, if the if first place was a thousand dollars cash in years past, your your prize package is now three and four thousand dollars. I mean, it's it's literally. Do you know what first place prizes? I don't remember. Okay, um, I apologize. Is it Kyle? Yeah, I thought it might. Wilderness Systems. I know it's. Yeah, I thought it was a Wilderness Systems. I don't know for sure, but I know it's rigged out. I think it may even have a Torquedo on it. Yeah, it does because that is one of their new sponsors, is Torquedo. Oh hell, I may have to push it now. <laughs> Great segue, Tyler. Thank you for that. They are going to allow trolling motors. This year? Yes. Really? For, to a certain horsepower. You have to read the rules. I'm not going to quote them because I don't think. Don't. <laughs> a small area is not yeah. a game changer. But, um, but they are going to be uh, allowing trolling motors up to a certain uh, thrust. So check the rules on that. Um, you may have to also kind of show or. or provide uh, or kind of proof of what motor you're using so that you can get clear for that. Um, but what I was getting at, you know, there's going to be a lot of prizes. They've got a lot of sponsors and a lot of those sponsors are going to be on site um, with some demos or some booths set up. I know in years past, there was a company that uh, built these uh, special racks for loading and unloading your kayak on um, small SUVs or, 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 you know, station wagon type setups, not people that didn't have trucks. And they actually uh, set one up, had, had somebody come in and bar and borrowed this person's vehicle, and I think gave them it afterwards. I'm not saying it's going to happen again, but like they, you know, in order to demo the product, um, they ended up asking for some for a volunteer to use wow. their vehicle on site while they were there with their kayak. I think the guy got hmm. to keep it afterwards. Um, I know there's some representatives from Lawrence because I was going to be over there because they are a sponsor, and I think um, there are some Lawrence units that are as prizes. Like we said, Torquedo, uh, Wilderness Systems, um, and a lot of local guys. So, um, you know, definitely check them out. Um, Facebook, they got great information. Yeah. Yeah. So, if you want any more information about Ride the Bull, you can go on uh, their website at www.ccalouisiana.com. Go to events. They should have a big banner on there about Ride the Bull. Should have uh, answers to most of your questions on there. Certainly, it'll show you where to sign up for it, answer questions, give the, um, the timeline and everything on there. Uh, and certainly if you have any, any specific questions, you can reach out to, to one of us and we'll see if we can put you in touch with, with someone to, if we can't answer your questions, they will. Actually, yeah, I keep looking at my phone to see if there's any questions. We really don't have any, but um, Todd made a comment and, and I'll really reiterate, it is going to be a long day and it's going to be probably a hot day. Uh, bring water, stay hydrated, bring snacks, bring food. Um, the, the worst thing that you can do is be out in the past, you know, waiting for that school to come in and you all of a sudden get a hunger pain or you get really thirsty and you're like, I'm going to have to paddle or pedal all, all the way back to Bridgeside, get out, go find some meat and come back on the water. You know, it, it, that's going to that's going to really kind of ruin your day. So, you know, be prepared for that. And, and to be and, and to kind of, I guess, attest to the experience itself. We said earlier, it's kind of a lottery. Go in expecting not to catch anything. I mean, it, it just it, you want. There's been years where there was there was one year there was 130, 140, 140 something plus bulls. Then there's been years where there's been 50, 80, and some maybe less. Um, it, it truly is, you know, at times a lottery. I mean, you can go the whole day and soak bait. And and I, and I had one year where I watched. I knew exactly where the line of, 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 of red, the school of reds came in because I watched somebody hook up further down the mouth, 
I watch these two guys in front of me over here hook up, and then I watch somebody. I could draw, I could connect the line from them and see that's where the school went. And it was 12 foot, 20 foot in front of me and nobody in my area hooked up. So, I mean, it, it's sometimes it's, 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 uh, it's a great day. Sometimes you could just be sitting there for six, seven hours soaking bait. So. I mean, one year it's fishing. It's fishing. It's fishing. Yeah. So look guys, uh, we got to roll on to the next segment real quick though. We're going to take a break from our sponsor. We'll be back in 30 seconds. What's up, guys? It's Brock with Backpacker again. Another cool new product we have for this year are the Ice Mule Coolers. This is really the perfect size to keep your snacks and drinks for the day. And the cool thing about this, all you have to do is the back seat. It stays out of the way while you have your AO bag right in the back of the fish so you don't have to mix them all up. And don't forget, be sure to visit us online at www.backpackeroutdoors.com or in one of our stores in Baton Rouge and Lafayette. Hey, guys. Back. Um, so a couple quick details. We're already over our normal hour, but, uh, since, uh, we haven't been on in a couple weeks, we are going to, uh, extend, go over a little bit. Um, let's talk real quick about rumble on the river. This is Bayou coast next big tournament. This is uh, our redfish tournament. It's typically one of our biggest tournaments, um, of the, the championship series. It's actually the last tournament in the championship series to qualify for the championship. Uh, it also accounts for Angler of the Year points. Um, it's a redfish-only tournament, and it's going to be a good one. This year, we have expanded the area. Uh, last couple of years, it's been down in St. Bernard Parish. We've had a lot of calls from people wanting to fish Highway 23, um, but I know a lot of people love to fish St. Bernard Parish. So what I did was I said, well, look, you know, we're going to have the best of both worlds. We've extended for Rumble on the River, will now include all of St. Parish and all of Plaquemines Parish. So you get your choice. You can fish Hopedale, Reggio, Delacro, or you can fish, you know, Bayou Law Cabins, Venice, Yellow Cotton Bay, uh, wherever you want to go in either of those parishes. Um, the format this year uh, is going to be two red. We're looking for quality redfish. So we've increased the slot limit size from 22 inches to 27 inches. There was a couple of reasons we did that. Uh, first and foremost, you know, when, when you bring in three or four fish, the problem you have is people will tend to keep a 16 or 17 inch redfish, knowing that you're probably gonna upgrade anyway, but you're concerned. So we wanna take that out of their hands. You, you know, uh, chances are, if you got a 16 inch redfish, you're not going to place in the tournament simply because of the quality of redfish being caught. Uh, and we want those redfish to grow up. We want them to get bigger. We want to conserve when we can. So, Sean, just to clarify, the minimum is 22 inches. The minimum is 22 inches. Max is still twenty under 27. It's still under 27, right. Okay. So you've got, uh, you know, five inches there to play with. And realistically speaking, based on our past experience and all the officers had input on this decision um, and looking at it, in our experience – Everybody who's placed has had at least two redfish generally in that range, you know. So, look, even if you catch one redfish in that range, you still want to come in and weigh it because it's going to be for points. It's going to be for qualifying for the uh, championship tournament. Again, if you're top 15, uh, you finish the top 15 and you've paid for one other tournament, you're going to qualify for the championship as long as you're a paid member. Um, there will also be – yeah, and fish. well, yeah, you got to pay for another one. But those people who have qualified and have only fished one tournament, 
they're going to need to pay for this tournament uh, to qualify. And we'll send out some reminders. Uh, I know we're going to, we're going to work on that to see who's, who's got it to make sure that the, those people uh, pay. There's also going to be two side red and big red uh, big red. It's going to be two and 27 under 27. Um, the one exception to our slot rule is going to be the leopard red leopard red can be any size from 16 to 27. So uh, you find that most of the leopard reds are actually smaller. Um, yeah. 15 and, uh, and 11 twelfths. Uh, somewhere around that area. You think that's because <laughs> the bigger ones get eaten? Because they're not as, they're not as you know tuned into their genetic. And remember, the whole reason, the whole purpose of the spot is apparently to be an extra eye, extra eye to look like an eye, so that fish attack. So if, if they're leopard, I mean, I wonder, is, or does maybe the maybe the black spots fall out? You know? Yeah, I mean, someone had said that, that that they lose. I think Todd said they lose the spots over time. Maybe so. They might grow out of them. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Oh, they do. They do have some big ones now. Or they've all been kept for leopard red categories. So that that's that's my my theory. Um, the jury's out. The tournament September twenty eighth. So we still got about six weeks away. But I know uh, as soon as September hits, if we get a cold front, people are going to start scouting. A lot of different areas to cover this year. Um, really excited about this tournament. It, it's usually one of our our best sellers. We get a lot of participants. Would not be surprised if we get 80-plus people sign up for this tournament. So should be should be some really nice prizes at this tournament. Um, Weigh-in location. Uh, we considered a lot of different areas. Um, we've already had a weigh-in in St. for our Trout Challenge tournament. And so we wanted something on the Plaquemines Parish side, but something that would be fair to the people in St. Bernard. So we've just... Decided to hold the weigh-in at 2781 Bell Chase Highway at the parking lot, uh, Old Abandoned Kmart. If you're not familiar with that particular address, it's located adjacent to the Hooters on Bell Chase Highway. So um, the weigh-in will not be at Hooters. It will be next door to Hooters. Um, now, we will have wings from Hooters being served at the weigh-in. So if you're hungry, wait till you get there. We're going to have some wings and some other food served up there. Um, you know, we are not allowed to serve beer. Well, we chose choose not to serve beer at our way in. But the uh, the Hooters bar is right there next door. If you want to enjoy a cold one, drink responsibly um, while you're waiting to weigh in your fish more than so. So, again, that tournament's going to be September 28th. Uh, Tyler, registration timeline, what are you thinking? Um, man, uh, I would say – in the next week or so next week or so we'll have the registration up you can go ahead and sign up uh, i'm really looking forward to this tournament it's going to be great late into september hopefully we're going to have some cooler weather and certainly that's going to be just a prime time for uh for red fishing both in st bernard parish and plaquemines parish I, I can't wait to see some of the uh the weights we have coming in with those two studs with all those areas to fish um and look we're going to talk more about rum on the river as we get closer We'll, we'll talk certainly about launch areas, maybe give some fishing reports, uh, baits, tactics, et cetera, uh, for that. Um, but, but that'll be another day. Uh, Tyler, I know um, this is something Tyler's been working on for a long time. We've had some complaints about uh, the website, and it's been a work in progress. Uh, it's been slow. It's, it's kind of dated. Tyler's been working on a whole new website. Tyler, uh, tell us a little bit about that, what you've been doing, and we can, when we can expect that new site to come up. 
Yeah, so um, yeah, I hate that it's, it's really taken a lot longer than I expected. Um, but anyway, we're right there, really close. Um, I actually was hoping that it would be before this podcast to have it up so we could talk about it and show it off. But um, basically, it's, it's going to be in a couple stages, so we're going to have a new website. Um, but the, the form will still be the old form um, for a little bit longer. Uh, that's going to be the most time-consuming uh, process. To we're going to try to um, transfer into a, a different form software, but save all the old information. There's obviously there's tons of just tons of information uh, when you search in those forms, um, dating back for years and years. And so that's definitely something that we do not want to lose. Uh, and so the first step's really going to be getting the new site up. I'm hoping maybe um, this Rumble and the River registration is all going to go through that and. Uh, from there, once we get that up and running smooth, we'll, we'll uh, hopefully step two will be get the form um, up and running, and we'll go from there. And Tyler, I'm kind of, uh, kind of updating the registration process for the tournaments to make it a little bit easier to, to register and with the different categories and everything? Yeah, I'm hoping it'll be a, a little easier on um, the user end. Uh, I, I think it's going to be even easier for um, hopefully – Jason for tax purposes, <laughs> but uh, yeah. I know I know everything we can do to help him with that. He'll, he'll appreciate. So, absolutely. Um, now I understand we're gonna have some new articles uh, on the website. Kind of give us a preview what we're looking forward to on yeah. that. Yeah, we got um, a couple safety articles uh, from uh, oh, what, what's his Bernard name? Bernard. Paul, yeah, yeah, Paul Paul Bernard with the U.S. Coast Guard, <laughs> um, and then. Your very own Sean Rostanis and Aaron LaRose have provided um, an article on uh, real good. Sean put one together on Golden Meadow. I know he really loves to fish that area, and so we put together some good information on uh, different places you can fish, uh, different areas. And yeah. and then Aaron LaRose, our, our um, can I say, can I say Kunas? <laughs> Resident shoot yeah. expert. Our, our, our Kunas board member has given us a nice how-to on catching mm-hmm. and cooking uh, shoe pick because I know that's top on, top on everybody's uh, – list of things to do Sean, uh, Sean, really it, right that's going <laughs> to break the internet yeah <laughs> i will say that i have never had the desire to ever keep a shoe pick and cook it but aaron has ranted and raved about it so much that i do intend to try it <laughs> so i saw all the instructions for properly maintaining your catch for a shoe pick and i was like son of a bitch i mean you might as well go to rouse's and buy some trout you know i mean this is a process but Look, I mean, that's a fish that uh, pretty exciting to catch. I know you enjoy you're doing gonna, it. You're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna like it. I'm telling <laughs> you. And look, uh, the Golden Meadow article I did, I, I enjoyed writing it. It's, it's all information that I've obtained. Uh, didn't share any spots that anyone else has given me. But we've got some really good locations that we put on there. I know Tyler did a good job of marking it up, uh, putting the specific areas that I refer to in there. Whether you want to fish the marsh for reds in grassy areas for reds, uh, in the lake for trout. So, you know, hopefully it'll be helpful to you guys kind of looking to fish an area. I know it's such a big area to fish, um, and, and you can get overwhelmed very easily by saying, where do I start? Well, I hope that article will help you learn where to start, kind of give you a head start there, and then you can kind of go from there. Yeah, and, then, um, and the goal behind I mean, this Tyler, uh, in the future, you know, if really the, the website and form is just kind of outdated. It's gotten a little stale and – and running slow and i know we've had a lot of complaints and so um you know that that's the face of our club when when people go check us out and, and see what we're about and so we're really just wanting to uh put a lot of effort into bringing new life back into that yeah we really do i mean you know facebook is very easy it's convenient 
But look, when we're all sitting around for lunch and we're bored and you want to pop through some articles and, and catch up on some things, the forum's a great place for it. We hopefully intend on updating the articles frequently, uh, more frequently than before, and bringing people back to the forum, letting them use that, and hopefully getting more members because the, the paid memberships that we get, which is, is really cheap, $25 a year, it, 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 there's a lot of benefits to it. It, it enables you to uh, fish in the championship series, uh, to qualify for the championship, to qualify for the angle of the year. And we'll talk more about those prizes later. Um, also, you get early registration, a minimalist challenge, and you'll get access to a lot of these articles. So there's a lot of benefits for you, that you get, uh, discounts with certain vendors, et cetera. So for $25, it's going to pay for itself over and over. Um, now, and Tyler, we, yeah. And we encourage um, members and you know non-members alike, if you you like to write, if you um, have a topic that you want to you know write a little, um, I don't know, I don't know what the character count about is, two hundred character article, you know something, you know something six pages simple. double spaced, yeah, um, you know, get put it together, give it a good title, you know, throw some pictures in with it, and email Tyler at webmaster at bckfc.com or org. I'm sorry, dot org, and um. Uh, send it, send it to us, and we'll we'll showcase it on the front page. You know, definitely, uh, we encourage. Uh, we, we're writing some, and you know, we, we're we're decent, but you know, there's lots of people out there that have um, their own experiences kayak fishing, and we want Chris Holmes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Chris Holmes. Chris Holmes. Chris Holmes. <laughs> you ever want to contribute a nice article, Chris? Uh, I know Steve's contributed some articles. There've been some good things in there. Yeah. Um, yeah, anybody okay, that has their own personal blogs, you know, I mean, I'm not afraid if, if you want to post an article in your blog and we can also post it on our site and then link over there and maybe you get, give you a little, uh, publicity for what you're doing on your own too. Absolutely. Great looking fishy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, real quick, switch it over. Um, another benefit of being members, you get to participate in fish picks, um, which is a, uh, tournament. It's a year long tournament, uh, hosted by Massey's. Tyler, I know you've got some information on that, a little update on that, if you could maybe share it with our viewers. Yeah, and, um, I know we've, uh, we've had uh, Dave Woodard, who works for Massey's, has been a, a huge um, liaison between Massey's and our club. And uh, just he'd been with Massey's, I think, 10 years, just a great guy. And uh, he has, uh, unfortunately, he's, he's moved on to uh, another, another job opportunity, moved out of state. And so they've, they've transitioned uh, – you know, into some new new people um, in his role, and it's it just you know kind of put this transition of getting the Massey's Fish Fix tournament up and running a little bit slower. And uh, but now we've we've um, thankfully Bubby Douglas, one of our members, kind of stepped up and has been working with Massey's to get everything lined out. And so we're good to go. They, they've got somebody that's going to be in charge of it. They're going to be updating the leaderboard. But the catch is their email for the past. Um, I guess since the tournament has started this year at Paddlepalooza has been uh, not functioning. So with that being said, anybody who has submitted their fish picks submissions for this year needs to go to their sent email folder and re-forward that email to the same email address. Or if you have the picture and the, the card saved, resend it. Um, and we'll be posting that on our Facebook and everything to try to try to get the word out to everybody. It's already been posted on the forum, but that that's the biggest hiccup is you're gonna have to resubmit. But you should hopefully start seeing leaderboard updates uh, from Will at Massey's. Yeah, and if you have any questions about the tournament, certainly you can reach out to Bubby Douglas to be able to answer for. 
those questions for you. If you need to get the token uh, to take the pictures, et cetera, uh, you know, certainly reach out to Bubby. If you don't know how to get in touch with him, reach out to one of us and, and we can certainly put you in touch with them. Um, look, guys, we're, we're, we're getting close to the end here. We're wrapping up the, the thing for the night. But I, I wanted to talk to you guys a little bit about something that has been uh, kind of important to me recently. Um, we're, we all are getting older. Tyler, I know you're still young. But the rest of us here are getting older. Uh, and two weeks ago, we had two of our members in the club, both in their 40s, have heart attacks. Uh, they both survived. And they're doing okay, I think, from, from what, I, what I know. I know one of them is doing well. Uh, I'm not sure how the other one's doing. But I, I know he survived as well. So, you know, we want to try to include something and, and maybe something on a little bit more next year as well, a little bit about men's health. Um, I know we have some women in our club and I'm not, I'm not, uh, you know, discriminating against you guys out there, but I can tell you this women are so much better at getting their checkups than men, uh, have their annual exams with their doctors. And, uh, certainly if they're not getting their annual exams, they need to. Um, I, I always get on my wife about that. You have to make time for that. Uh, I'm not a woman, so I can't speak for, you know, what women should do as far as their exams. But I do know something a little bit about the, the men, and I've talked to my doctor a lot, and I try to find out what I should be doing as I get older. It's not a subject that men like to talk about for some reason. I, I'm not sure. Um, they rather talk about fishing and drinking and eating, uh, but not stuff that can save their lives. So I urge all of our members uh, to get their ups in men. Um, um, generally speaking, for men, it's recommended that they get a physical exam at least starting at the age of 40. Uh, Doctor's going to, you know, do the check for the hernia. Um, he'll check particular cancer, feel for any lumps. They'll check your blood pressure. You know, just a basic checkup. They may even do some blood work. Make sure everything's going on. Make sure you're not pre-diabetic. Make sure you don't have high blood pressure, high cholesterol. Things that may not kill you now, but can work on it later on. Uh, so if you're in your 40s, you haven't had a physical exam yet, you don't have an, uh, a family doctor, you need to get one. Don't be embarrassed. Get out there and get that. Uh, prostate exam. Um, you should be, I think, according to medical literature, if you haven't had one by 50, you need to go ahead and start getting them checked annually at 50. My recommendation is that you make sure your doctor has small fingers. Um, it is a joke, but, you know... <laughs> It's, it's an important thing. So when you meet your doctor, shake his hand and notice his fingers. Uh, but look, it is important to get. Do you like the firm grip? <laughs> the firm handshake on that one? <laughs> so just, uh, you know, small fingers, lots of lube. Um, it, it's, it's important, though, guys. It really is. Don't be embarrassed. It, it's, it's better to get it done, to get checked out for something that can be fixed if it's found early. You know, um, colonoscopy, uh, 50 years old, again, is, is a time. I know I've, I've had one already. I've had a prostate exam already. You know, I've had my physical exam last uh, five or six years. Yeah, I, I thought apparently my doctor is an early starter on um, prostate exams. So anyway, um, guys, get out there. Get that sort of thing done. It's important. Uh, you know, um, Skin check with dermatologists. We are out in the sun a lot. Some of us work outside. All of us fish outside. You know, uh, you need to get those black spots, moles, et cetera, checked out. It's a quick visit. 
They can they can cut it off, do a quick biopsy, catch it early. That's the key thing about all this. Catch it early. It's fixable. If you don't want to go because you're embarrassed, well, you can be dead five years later. It save you a little embarrassment, though. Um, heart exam. If you've got any type of um, history in your family, if you're a smoker, if you don't eat healthy, and and look, we're all guilty about that. You know, hell, we're eating boudin and stuff, pork chops and baked beans and bread tonight, and shoe pick, and shoe pick. You know, it's not the best stuff for you. We live in Louisiana. You know, um, there is a test. It's a very simple test. It's called a CT. Um, I think it's a CT calcium calcium, calcium. calcium score. It's basically a CT uh, examining your chest. And what it does, it detects plaque buildup in the arteries. It's The test takes five. It's non-invasive. It's like taking an x-ray. Uh, now, you have to pay for it. I had mine in Oshner done last week and $25. I know for some people that's a lot of money, but if you can save up for it, it's going to save you a whole lot of heartache literally down the road. It can detect it early. So if there is a plaque building that's a concern, they can get you on medicines to reduce the plaque or let you you know change your diet so at least you can be aware of it and have a fighting chance against it. And you're not in a situation like we had uh, this past week where possibly if these two members had had this, been able to detect the blockage, maybe detect the plaque buildup, and done something about it before they had the heart attack. Uh, so we, we are going to try to do some uh, tips and maybe get some doctors on here in the future to talk about some other things, uh, the skin cancer, dermatologists. Uh, I know in the summertime we want to do some, uh, the Vibrio, uh, fighting off infections. If you're out in the water, you have cuts, you get infected, do what to look for, et cetera. So it's important to me to get checked. I certainly do. I would encourage all of our members to, uh, to do that as well. Um, all right, guys, we've been on for an hour and a half. Uh, I know a lot of you guys want to get to bed. It's a Tuesday. So, again, if you want to become a sponsor of Bayou Coast, feel free to reach out to me or Tyler. We can put you in touch with Aaron LaRose. You can reach Aaron directly. Um, if you missed part of tonight's episode, check it out on YouTube or Facebook. It's also available as a podcast. Tyler should probably have it up into the week. He's usually pretty good about, good about getting it up sooner. <clears throat> um, thanks for coming on tonight, sharing a lot of information about riding the bull. Uh, I know. Are you you guys fishing it? Yes. Hopefully. So, so two of these are. I think Todd's going to be out there as well. Um, five or six hundred of the people, so should be a really good turnout. Uh, as a reminder, we are returning to our normal schedule. We will be on every Tuesday night, starting at eight. Every other Tuesday night, starting at eight thirty. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Almost followed the microphone. We've got some great episodes coming up, though. We're going to be covering um, the IFA Championship, uh, Fallen Tide. Fall When's Fallen Tide, Eric? October 19th. October 19th. We're going to have some great episodes about that. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, that one will be down Highway 23. Um, I think Tyler and I are actually going to be fishing the, the Native Titan Tournament in Lake Gunnersville in October. That's right. First week yeah, of October. So a bass tournament, big oh, bass tournament. Lord. So it should be a lot of fun. Northern Alabama in October. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. <laughs> so uh, we'll, we'll we'll get to report on that. But um, hey guys, thanks for checking in with us tonight. We look forward to seeing you again. We're happy to be back, and uh, we'll see you uh, two weeks from today. All right, thanks, All right. guys. Night. Night, guys. All right. See y'all later. All right.